Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, psychedelics, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis and psychedelics industries forward. This week, Nick and Ann are back to kick off 2024 with our last recording of 2023. Special guest, Dr. Hans Erickson, Chief Medical Officer for HMNC Brain Health, joins us this week to ring in the new year. Discussing his role at HMNC, the company's research and development efforts to identify and to bring to market treatments for mental health disorders, and the latest news and progress on the psychedelics movement. In this episode, Hans also discusses the death of the beloved actor Matthew Perry, his ketamine use and how the news was presented by the media, and the risks associated with the treatment. If you're interested in learning more about Hans or to check out the latest updates from HMNC Brain Health, visit the links in our show notes. Also, be sure to follow HMNC and Hans on LinkedIn. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Dr. Hans Erickson of HMNC Brain Health. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we we very rarely do breaking news kind of commentary, um, but when you know we heard about um, you know the the actor Matthew Perry and his his cause of death being attributed to to ketamine, there was really no one else that that we wanted to talk to um, about this. So before we dive in, though, can you just give um, our listeners a little bit of your background? I'd be happy to do so. Yes. So thank you for having me here. So I'm Hans Eriksson. I'm currently the Chief Medical Officer of HMNC Brain Health. We are a, a, a biopharmaceutical company based in Munich, Germany. Um, my training was uh, in psychiatry. So I used to work as a clinical psychiatrist at university hospitals. Uh, but I spent close to 25 years in, um, um, in, in, in the development space for new medications in the psychiatry area, mainly antidepressants. So when we're talking about... Um about ketamine and about um, you know the the promise of it the the way that that you guys are thinking about ketamine is really as um, an antidepressant. So um, you know we'll get into what what HMNC and what your your ketabon project is, but but first um, the the recent coverage attributing um, ketamine to to Matthew Perry's death. Um, is worth noting. And I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised that the coverage was pretty balanced, um, you know, in talking about both the the, the dangers of, of ketamine use and also the great promise of ketamine. So um, I think, you know, when we first heard this, we were like, oh, this is going to be a lot of hand-wringing and pearl clutching. But um, can you talk a little bit about, um, uh, uh, about what, that means and what what ketamine what what some of the issues surrounding ketamine are um and some of the dangers okay i'd be happy to do so i mean first of all i think we were all devastated by learning about the death of matthew perry who is, 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 a, is a very popular actor and has been so um worldwide i, uh, I would i would say uh, it also uh, uh 
to some extent showcases how uh, a medication like ketamine that has its uh, obvious use within medicine can uh, uh, be involved in, in really tragic events if it's not used according to uh, the appropriate guidelines and, and, and according to regulatory approvals. Ketamine in, in itself is an interesting compound. You probably know that it was developed as an uh, anesthetic agent during the 60s and it has been, has been used at much higher doses than, than those that are used uh, in psychiatry for uh, more than 50 years. And over the last 20 years, there has been a, an increasing interest in ketamine as a way to achieve improvement for people who are suffering from depression. Uh, and um, the good thing with ketamine in, in, in that context is that it uh, has a pretty robust uh, antidepressant efficacy. Uh, and um, efficacy comes much quicker than with standard antidepressants. I'm a clinician myself, and I know so well how patients often need to wait for three, four, five, six weeks before they get adequate improvement with the standard antidepressants, and many of them don't get any uh, major improvement at all. So um, there, there, are, uh, there, are, there are properties of ketamine as an antidepressant that are really desirable. However, um, the uh, molecule ketamine binds to a receptor called the NMDA receptor, uh, and that interaction is thought to lead to some of the psychological effects of ketamine. They are normally described as dissociative, and it's uh, an almost out-of-body experience that is really strange and not similar to your normal uh, way of ex experiencing your, your situation. Uh, it's uh, almost uh, close to a psychotic experience, so it's something that many persons see as very uh, stressful and, 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 and unattractive. Um, it's an anesthetic agent. So it also uh, typically comes with some sedation. And on top of that, there is also an effect on the cardiovascular system with an increased heart rate uh, and also resulting uh, in an in a, in a increase in blood pressure. So, so there is a side effect profile that is quite undesirable. Uh, and if you look at uh, the only compound that uh, is based on ketamine and that is approved uh, for the treatment of depression, it's a nasal spray of the esenantiomer uh, of ketamine called uh, S-ketamine. So it's, it's one half of the ketamine mixture, so to say. Uh, there the regulators, both in the United States and also in Europe, have mandated that this um, administration should be given under uh, supervision of medically skilled staff. The, uh, the patient taking the medicine should take it, should be supervised for several hours, and there are also requirements not to drive a car uh, until a certain time after the administration. So um, it's not only that these uh, side effects are unpleasant, but it's also a question of, of practicality. I mean, if you need to have this treatment once per week for, let's say, six months, then you need to drive perhaps to, to, to the clinic, get the nasal spray, be supervised for several hours, and then not be able to drive home yourself. So the practical consequences of, of, of this uh, um, mandate from the regulators are, are quite extensive, even though I, I can clearly understand why FDA chose this approach. I, I want to stick on the, on the topic of risk because back in October, the FDA came out with their warnings about the potential risks associated with ketamine, you know, with the or, uh, including oral formulations and for the treatment of psychiatric disorders. Um, I want to get your thoughts of, um, you know, that the FDA's, uh, you know, warnings on that. What, what did you think when that was first announced? Yeah, I mean, I'm personally a strong believer uh, of this industry being regulated. I think the regulators are doing a good and important job in make, making sure that medicines are used in an appropriate way. Uh, and um, what FDA was referring to there was uh, the use of uh, 
compounded lo medications locally um, uh, that are used outside of the approved uh, label, uh, and um, meaning that uh, it's essentially medications that have not gone through the rigorous testing that um, uh, normal medicines do. So I, I have a clear understanding that FDA wants to 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 um, uh, exert some caution here, um, and um, if we, if you're talking about really powerful medicines like, like like ketamine it's very important that they get administered in in uh, in the correct dose uh, and to the correct patients and that is what will happen if uh, we can follow the follow a a um, regulatory um, guideline the approved label and the medicine is is used the way it's what was intended to be used and also the way it was used in the clinical trials that underpin the regulatory approval so um, it may sound strange uh, for me coming from the industry, but uh, I'm actually a big fan of regulators. <laughs> yeah, well, and this is going to be strange coming from me as someone who's in PR. Do you think the media coverage um, has been too positive? Do you think, or, or, or I guess let me phrase it in a different way. Do you think um, that we're being a little bit too casual um, with the benefit of these substances and not... Um, really thinking seriously, you know, about that they are they are substances with risks, um, and you know, do you, do you think we're just being a little bit too casual? I, I think we have been, and I think there is always a tendency when something uh, very novel and promising enters the, the the market that there is a huge hype, huge enthusiasm. There is almost no limit uh, to the expectation, uh, and then, then um, over time. Um, some of the less uh, positive sides of, 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 in this case, a new medication may, be, may become uh, obvious. So, um, but, but, but I don't think that this is something that holds only for, for um, uh, the psychedelic or dissociative medicines. It, it goes for, for practically anything new. It could be electric cars, it could be AI. Um, there is a pendulum that often swings quite far away in a positive direction before uh, more cautious voices are heard and, and, and saying, yeah, but is this really uh, without problems? And and I want to make sure we talk about you know your own research in, in the ketamine and the enormous potential it has for 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 treating depression. Can you um, talk a little bit about the Ketamon project? So um, we are um, developing a, an oral formulation of ketamine for the treatment of depression, and it's uh, focused on treatment resistant depression. So it's it's individuals who have problematic depression that has not responded to at least two treatment attempts with, with ordinary uh, antidepressants. Uh, and um, from the outset, we, we, we wanted to see if we could improve the tolerability of ketamine without losing the efficacy. Because as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, there is no doubt that it's an effic efficacious uh, medicine with a robust um, uh, and, and reliable uh, efficacy that comes quickly. But we wanted to see if we, if we could um, uh, minimize the side effects. So what, what was done was that uh, a new formulation was developed. Uh, and uh, this is a prolonged release formulation. So it's taken as a tablet, as an, as an uh, ordinary aspirin, just um, to be swallowed. And then uh, when it enters the gut, it is uh, very, very slowly dissolved. So the highest concentration of ketamine is not achieved until after six to seven hours. So it's a very slow release. Uh, and um, this is very different from if you take uh, the nasal spray of, of esketamine, or also if you take uh, intravenous 
uh, ketamine because then you get a very high uh, initial concentration peak of ketamine. And actually also with these compounded medicines that uh, the tablets that are made uh, at, at local ed pharmacies, they also release ketamine quite quickly. So in all these instances, there is a very high ketamine concentration in the circulation. And all these three uh, ways of, of giving ketamine are associated with quite pronounced dissociative effects. We don't see much of that at all with our formulation. And there are a couple of reasons for this. Uh, first of all, the concentration increase of ketamine goes very slowly. So there is potential for some degree of adaptation uh, in, 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 in the target organs. The peak concentration we are achieving uh, is lower than what you get uh, with, uh, with, with, with a very abrupt uh, uh, addition of, of ketamine. But perhaps even more importantly, um, the medicines are taken up from the gut and they are then going through the liver. And one of the functions of the liver is to protect the body against foreign substances. There is a metabolic machinery in the cells in the liver that uh, metabolize compounds that are um, uh, normally present. And that happens to, to quite a lot of medicines and it happens to ketamine. But uh, with the slow uptake, this metabolic machinery never gets uh, fully overloaded. So a very large proportion of the ketamine is actually uh, metabolized already in the liver. So very low levels are entering the general circulation and reaching the brain. And we believe that that is the reason that we see so little of dissociation. And, and there's been huge debate in, within, you know, the industry of um, do you need those disassociative effects to accomplish the desired effect of, let's say, uh, an antidepressant or, or a treatment against antidepressant uh, against depression? Um, so you're you're you are falling on the side that you know, the high, the, the, or the, the high, the, the trip or whatever, whatever we want to call that disassociation is not needed to have the, ther the desired therapeutic effects of having an antidepressant. Yeah. I would say that when it comes to ketamine, I'm quite confident that the um, dissociative experience is not necessary, but I don't think this necessarily holds true across um, this uh, uh, um, landscape of novel medicines that are not now uh, under development li like uh, MDMA, psilocybin, etc. Uh, but for, for ketamine, it really seems as if the NMDA receptor effect uh, may not be what, 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 what causes the antidepressant uh, efficacy. The NMDA receptor is clearly involved in the dissociative experiences because with our formulation, when ketamine is metabolized, it, it, it ends up somewhere and it ends up in uh, metabolites, uh, particularly in one metabolite called hydroxynorketamine. Hydroxynorketamine has been shown to be antidepressant in um, animal models, uh, and there are also attempts underway to develop it as an antidepressant as such. Uh, we believe that the high uh, concentrations of hydroxynorketamine we are seeing are contributing to the antidepressant efficacy. So, uh, Instead of getting uh, antidepressant efficacy with dissociation, uh, our studies we have conducted so far strongly suggest that we can get antidepressant efficacy without dissociation. And it's obvious that that, that is a large advantage, first on patient level, because these experiences that are unpleasant uh, are not occurring. We're also not seeing any effect on heart rate and blood pressure. Uh, and uh, so it opens up for, for a... Um, more convenient use of the medicine, but still in a safe way.
I want to shift gears uh, away from ketamine and, and, you know, talk about some of the big news that's also um, driving the industry. Most notably, you know, we're recording this uh, December 21st. Um, last week, MAPS PBC submitted their new drug application to the FDA, uh, making marking the first time that uh, a psychedelic has ever been um, submitted for um, um, this. And, you know, it's a watershed moment, but I want to get your perspective on, you know, what does it mean for you as somebody that's been, you know, researching new drugs um, for, for a long time? And then what do you think about it for um, the, the industry as a whole? I think it's very good news. I think it's, it's, it's very encouraging that it has been possible to harness the power in medicines that previously were mainly used for recreational purposes and now turn them into active and efficacious medicines that really have the potential to change lives for millions of people. So I'm, I'm, I think it's fantastic. Um, now I may sound as being a bit over positive, perhaps, as we spoke <laughs> about earlier, and, and, and it will probably be, 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 be things discovered if, if this medicine becomes approved, which I think will happen. Uh, uh, along the line, uh, we may d d discover situations where it may not be so appropriate to use it, but still, I, th I think it, it, it's fantastic news. And also as a clinician, I, I'm happy for every new tool I can get in my toolbox to help patients live a better life. So I think it's great. And, and I used to say that I think we are living in the uh, second uh, golden age of neuropsychopharmacology. The first one was in the 50s when the antidepressants and the antipsychotics were developed. The second is now when we uh, have thrown away the taboos about using medicines uh, that previously were, were used in more of an illicit way and see that their properties really can can, 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 can be used in, in, a, in, a, in a responsible way. So I think MAPS are doing a fantastic job. I, I also am going to go back to um, to your the the Kenabon, um project that HMNC is working on um, and some recent data that you guys um, have put out there. Um, can you talk a little bit about the data and specifically, you guys did a head to head study with Spravato talking about um, you know. I'm going to let you say it because you say it much more eloquently than me. But can you talk about those two study results? Yeah, I'd be happy to do so. Um, so uh, Spravato is the brand name uh, of the um, approved nasal spray of the S enantiomer, one of the two molecules constituting uh, uh, ketamine. Uh, it's approved as an antidepressant. It has uh, a relatively quick onset of effect, uh, and um, it, it's it's uh, quite widely used. And, and we can see that more and more patients are being prescribed uh, this medicine. But it comes with these uh, side effects that that I, that I was talking about, and resulting in in, in um, complex administration, or also um, um, a set of rules regarding who can prescribe it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, when we in our clinical studies in patients saw that we we actually got no or almost no dissociation, despite seeing clear antidepressant signals. We thought it could be a good idea to make a comparison with um, the intranasal spray. What we did was that we recruited a, a group of uh, young, healthy volunteers, 26 of them. Uh, yeah, they, were, they were younger than me, at least. Yes. So it, um, and and um, they, they uh, came in to a, a research unit uh, two times. Each time they got a nasal spray and a tablet, but only one of them contained active substance. Uh, the active substance was either Spravato in the nasal spray uh, or in the tablet, it was our compound Keto-1. 
Uh, and the second time they came in after several weeks, uh, they got it the other way around. And all of this was done in a blinded way. So nobody knew what they were going to receive. Uh, and then we were measuring acute side effects during the day after administration. Uh, and we knew that the max concentration uh, of S-ketamine after the nasal spray occurs after approximately 40 minutes. And for uh, our uh, Keto-1, between six and seven hours. So at those two time points, we, we, we made measurements and we were measuring dissociation. Uh, and it, it's possible to measure dissociation using a rating scale. In psychiatry, we are frequently using rating scales to measure symptom severity and so on. And, and the scale is called CADS, um, Clinician um, um, Administered uh, Dissociative State Scale. It runs from zero to 92, so it has quite a long range. Uh, and values higher than four have been considered by, for, for instance, the FDA and the approval of Spravato as uh, having some, some degree of clinical significance. And um, uh, the data were um, surprising even to us. We thought we should see a difference because we could see that these individuals, when uh, they received uh, Spravato, uh, all of them without one uh, had a value above four, and many of them had very high values. And when they received the Keto-1 substance, the one that we developed, uh, only one of the participants had a, a value of four, and it was five. So it was just a, 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 a small uh, increase. So uh, there was a dramatic difference in, in, in the dissociation. And importantly, the doses we selected were the doses that have been associated with antidepressant efficacy of these two compounds. So uh, we are getting, we are seeing a picture now emerging of uh, how uh, our new formulation actually can, can 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 provide the relief from depressive symptoms without causing dissociation. And similarly, we were also measuring um, uh, blood pressure and heart rate. And after Spravato, there was quite a peak in both of these. And um, for uh, Keto-1, uh, there, 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 was, there was no increase in, in um, blood pressure. Uh, or heart rate. So, so it, it, it's very reassuring from that perspective. Um, and uh, talk to us about the, the roadmap for Keto-1, Keto which is the, the Ketobon project um, substance that, that you guys are researching. I mean, in, in, um, in talking through this and, and thinking about Matthew Perry again, like, you know, this isn't meant that, you know, the, the, the ketamine that, that he had was not meant for at-home use. Um, no. And, and your, thesis here is that there is a world in where the antidepressant properties of the, the substance of ketamine could be um, formulated so that it could be taken safely at home. Um, so yes. can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, the, 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 the larger study we conducted and that's had readout during the summer of 2023, <clears throat> there we recruited 122 patients and they were treated with uh, our uh, ketamine formulation daily for three weeks, and they took the medicine at home. Uh, only the first day the medicine was given under medical supervision because we wanted to do some uh, assessment of, 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 of dissociation and draw blood samples and so on. Uh, and uh, there were no problems whatsoever uh, reported uh, associated with, with the take-at-home use. Uh, and um, there was uh, um, no, in, no indication that, 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 that the medicine was used in, in an inappropriate way. So uh, already that study in itself um, uh, at least shows that the concept of take-at-home medication with a, a prolonged release formulation is, is viable. Uh, 
but we, we, we certainly understand that, that uh, we, we, we need to um, uh, proceed carefully. We, 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 we need to um, ensure that uh, this medication uh, is suitable for this type of administration. Our plan for the development program is to continue with these take-at-home medications. We are getting more and more data uh, in, in our database. But um, if you consider the fact that uh, these um, uh, side effects uh, that have been so problematic not occur, uh, there is not so much difference uh, in, in a way compared to standard antidepressants like Prozac or Zoloft or Effexor that are typically always taken at home. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and unless you had something else, um, I want to um, look ahead now to 2024 you know the positive data and, and and talk about you know what has you most excited um as you as we get ready to enter the new year i mean we, we are very encouraged by the data we have uh, generated this year we have had two very very promising studies reading out and uh, they have really helped us to understand how we should proceed with our development plan so um we are now uh, moving into a, a larger a clinical development program. We are outlining what a uh, phase three, as it is called, uh, can look like, uh, where we are testing uh, the medication um, under control conditions in, in a larger uh, patient population. Uh, and uh, um, the, the team is, 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 is working on, on, on the plans for that. So um, we are really looking forward to uh, taking one further step and, and reaching out to, to a, a larger population in, 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 the, coming, in the coming studies. Is there anything else that you can talk about that makes you hopeful for, um, and I know we talked about like there's the possibility of overhyping, but it, this does feel like just a really seminal moment, um, you know, this whole year um, in, in the advancement of psychedelic medicine, um, you know, and I know that, you know, part of your thesis is stripping out some of the, the properties that cause the dissociation. But do you feel this seminal moment? Like, are like, you know, are you hopeful? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful. And, and uh, uh, I, I think uh, psychiatry has for so long time been relying upon medicines that affect the same or similar mechanisms. And that, that holds true both for antidepressants and for medicines for schizophrenia and for anxiety. Uh, and um, all of a sudden, uh, th there are a, a multitude of new mechanisms of action uh, opening up. Uh, and um, I really think that we will be able to, within the next five years, make a, a, a quite a leap in terms of overall efficacy. Um, we are always talking about the, the, that the goal when you treat a person with, with, with a mental disorder is, is not to have a few points improvement on a scale. It's actually remission to get rid of, of, of the disorder. Um, it may be a tall order, but I think we are really moving in, in that direction. Uh, and also when it comes to these uh, risks that are associated, that, that, that forms the tragic backdrop to, 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 to this uh, discussion, uh, I think there are um, a number of activities that can be undertaken. One is on the... Uh, I would say on, on, on the drug development side where companies like ours and, 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 and our peers um, are doing things in order to make the medicines safer. I think what, what we have done with our prolonged release formulation is a major step, but there are also ad additional things that can be introduced to make the medicines safer. Uh, slow release formulations in general, uh, that could be uh, um, 
recommendations about relatively small pack sizes to, to decrease the amount of medicine that any individual has available at the same point in time. So the industry can do quite a lot, but we can also work together with regulators and society, uh, media, to create an awareness of this, that uh, here we have something, um, a, a type of medicines that can really be instrumental in changing people's life to the better. We shouldn't miss that chance and we shouldn't, uh, we should do whatever we can to minimize the unintended use because the use that uh, is prescribed by the regulators is actually based on clinical trials. It's tried and tested and there is a certain degree of confidence in, in, in that way of using the medicines. And we should be very careful not going beyond that. So, so um, once again, um, kudos to, to the regulators who help us to uh, keep this structure up. I think that's a great place to leave it. Um, thank you so much, Hans. We appreciate your time. We appreciate the last minute scheduling. Um, and we know it's the holidays. So um, really, really um, appreciate the work you're doing um, and look forward to 2024. Thank you. Another huge thanks to Dr. Hans Erickson, Chief Medical Officer for HMNC Brain Health for joining us today. Um, you can follow everything that HMNC is doing at their website, hmnc-brainhealth.com. And as always, thanks for listening to The Green Rush. If you want to chat with us, you can find us on the platform formerly known as Twitter with the handle at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast. You can drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. We're always looking for feedback, guest ideas, and especially going into 2024, we want to know what you guys want to hear us talk about. Um, and as always, don't forget to subscribe to The Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. One take, Shay. One take. Cannabis! Cannabis!